When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Sacramento, California is home to our feature artist in this edition of Americana Music Profiles. Banjo Bones has a music career that spans nearly 40 years, including work in Central America, Japan, and the Washington, D.C. area. He has a new record out called Ghostly Musings from the Delta. We talk about that record and how the banjo first won his heart. So I am talking today with Banjo Bones. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Greg. Good morning. Good morning to you. Yeah, we've got a couple hours between us, so I appreciate you uh, being up early to talk to us today. <laughs> oh, it's exciting to do this thing first thing in the morning. Very cool. That's right. Yeah, while, while we still have clear heads, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, I know you've got uh, a new record that you're, you're working on. Um, give me some background, though. How, how did uh, Banjo Bones come to be? So I started, uh, first of all, my music career spanned probably uh, the better part of uh, almost 40 years. I'm 52 now, and I started when I was 10. Uh, My first band when I was 14. Cool. Um, So I've been in and out of uh, the show business uh, throughout my life. Um, And the latest incarnation of of my endeavors uh, started around 2012. Um, It coincided with my move uh, to California. I live in Sacramento, California right now. And uh, it, it, funny enough that we were talking about how you're located in Virginia. I went to Virginia in 2008, and, and it was a place called Smith Mountain Lake. Oh, yeah, and, sure. Um, yeah, so I, I went there, and for the first time, I got to see a bluegrass jam. I had never seen one live, although oh, I've been really? a musician all my life. Just, I was never really exposed to bluegrass. Yeah. And I was absolutely fascinated by it. I, I could not believe what I was hearing. And I, I went out and I, you know, on a trip to San Francisco. I bought myself a banjo. And, you know, I, I went down that whole line. Wow. When cool. I started writing again, when, when I really started writing again with, with the objective of putting songs together and maybe performing them, um, I decided to adopt a name uh, rather than go by my, my given name. Um, and, and the whole concept of Banjo Bones came from the fact that I was drawn towards roots music. Um, and, and Bones is really a, really a, really a, really a, really a, the structure is Bones is in roots. Roots is a reference, of course, is the banjo is a reference to roots music. It's one sure. of the preeminent uh, instruments in, in roots music. Um, so that's how the name came about. And then I started performing in that name. It really stuck. People stopped calling me by my name and started calling me Banjo. <laughs> and that's how, uh, that's how I, I came to that name. I released my first record as Banjo Bones in 2012. It's an EP called Fail Ambitions. Um, I followed that up with a few singles. Uh, then in 2015, I released another record uh, called The Place of Dead Roads. Um, 
And in 2017, I released Cowboy Dreams. And now I'm about to release this this record, which I'm really, really proud of. Um, and it's very, it's a very personal record, not lyrically speaking, but certainly musically speaking. It's called um, uh, Ghostly Musings from the Delta. And mm. I, I've always been, just as I got fascinated with the banjo at one point in my life, um, throughout my career, I've been fascinated with the National Steel guitar. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was drawn to the Mississippi Delta blues from the moment I heard my my, my the first time I heard Robert Johnson. I was I was just fascinated. It was, and um, then I've had I've had very influential players uh, to me musically. That 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 was a primary instrument. Chris Willie comes to mind as a guy that I really admire, mm-hmm. uh, and he 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 could really. He could really make a national steel guitar sing. So, to me, this is a tribute to all those influences. Um, it's not a blues record per se, but it's it's blues infused, and it's certainly, hopefully, I've captured the sensibility and the grittiness that goes along with all these records that inspired me and, and influenced me so much. Hmm. Uh, so, I was reading in the in the notes um, that um, we had before I called you, and. Uh, there was this uh, statement in there that that referred to uh, your music as um, the dark side of Americana. Where, where does that come from? Uh, d- does that fit for you? Is that is that something someone else said? Or I, I find that interesting that there is a quote dark side to Americana. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. So um, I think this it, this all really started with my very first record. Uh, with failed ambition. So, well, let, let me rephrase that with my first record as Band of Bones, um, which was uh, failed ambitions. And a friend of mine pointed out the fact uh, that that the lyrical content uh, was was dark, was very dark, mm-hmm. which is not something I intentionally did at all. Oh, it's, okay. just, it's just it's just how I write, and and it's really funny because I think there's a yin yang thing going on here because. If you meet me in person, anybody who knows me knows I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. I'm never depressed. I'm always, mm-hmm. I always got a very bright outlook in life, et cetera. So the fact that my lyrics come out this way is 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 really a, a very fascinating thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think from that, uh, as I as I kept on writing, I realized because somebody had pointed it out to me, I, I then became aware of the fact. My goodness, it's true. All my lyrics are kind of dark. Um, <laughs> And, and I found it to be, I, I was looking for what in Americana, what, what is what is going to be my niche in Americana? What is it that I'm going to do different that, mm-hmm. that will maybe place me apart from everybody else that's doing Americana? Which, by the way, it, I, I chose I chose to, to work under the genre Americana because Americana is pretty wide open. It has sure a lot is. of influences. You can, yeah. you can be country, you can be blues, you can be a lot of different things under the Americana label. Um and one thing I did not want to do was box myself into some formula. That I really, that I think the name already does that a little bit. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to do any more of that. You know? mm-hmm. um, so, um, so the tagline is really meant to be descriptive of, of, of what the lyrical content is, and to some extent, even the aesthetic, uh, the, the aesthetics behind the music as well. Because I think you, you could argue that a lot of the music, uh, even if it was, uh, if you listen to it instrumentally. You know, it's a little dark, it's a little dense and can be heavy. Um, so, so I think that that's what it was. It's really a way for me. Um, you know, as independent artists, we have to. We're not just artists. We are also businessmen. We are also sure. marketers and yeah. promoters and everything else. 
so this this was me wearing my promoting hat. How am I going to really sell myself? Yeah, well? yeah. I, <laughs> well, it's interesting. Uh, I, listening through some of the, the the tracks on on some of the music that you've released previous and i guess maybe one of them was even intentional the 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 cowboy record but uh there was this sense of um uh, i i'm in my 50s too and i grew up watching um you know back when there was three networks to watch tv on uh the late night kind of spaghetti western movies you know that would come on at at one or two o'clock in the morning and um had that kind of uh uh dark to use that word music in the background and i kind of kind of got that sensation by listening to a couple of tracks at least on on that record um so i I, it's interesting that you know that the uh the banjo bones you 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 maybe if you if you just see that for the first time you might think well you know this guy's obviously going to be a bluegrass record and then you kind of hear this this interesting kind of western feel coming through um with the banjo music in there but it's it's not bluegrass but it's interesting that that um it it sounds like what i'm getting from what you're saying to me was it was fairly intentional to kind of come up with this identity um but i find it really curious that you are perceived as this happy person even talking to you that you're 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 um bright personality is coming through and and yet your music kind of tends to lend itself to the to this darker side of the lyrical content anyway where do you do you have a sense of where that comes from well i i, I really i mentioned earlier that you know i think there's a yin yang effect going on here and i really do think that that there, there is a side of me that that this music represents it's just that it's it's kind of tucked away and hidden and I mm-hmm. kind of keep it that way. <laughs> Whether it's purpose or not, I don't know, but yeah. it, it kind of ha- it just happens that way. But the funny thing is, when it comes to art, I'm attracted to the same kind of art as the music that I make. So if mm. I go to an art gallery or something, the pieces that attract me are always very dark. Um, a lot of the music I, I, I love and listen to, let's put it this way, one of my favorite albums of all time is uh, Frank Schwalbeer's by Tom Waits. And it, mm-hmm. it doesn't get much darker than that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so I'm attracted to that um, to that dark side of the human condition, I think is the best way I can describe it, because I think there's a lot of beauty in it. I think there there's uh, this, this struggle that we are all faced with, and I don't mean to get too philosophical here, but the struggle of going through life, mm-hmm. there's a very dark side to that, and I think there's a lot of beauty in that, and it's kind of what what most human beings have in common. We, we, there are a lot of things that separate us and make us different, but but I think the the darkness of, of our, our journeys is something that brings us all together. We all go through, through tough spots somewhere in our life, whether it's a marriage breakup or whether it's the loss of a loved one, whatever it is. And those things kind of bring us together as, as, as a species, for lack of a better term. Sure, yeah. Um, you mentioned that, that this um, adventure into, into the, the newer style it hasn't been um, your, your pursuit for your full career. What, what style were you leading up to this adventure into the banjo, bluegrass, Americana feel? So... Um, when I was very, very young, when I started off and played in my first band, we, we mostly did like a, like we were like a classic rock cover band. Cause mm-hmm. I, I was I was fourteen I was fourteen years old, but everybody else in the band was over thirty. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 
and which was, by the way, a great experience because the drummer was a semi-celebrity. This was all in Central America and Costa Rica. He was a semi-celebrity. He played from the most popular band, rock band in Costa Rica for many years. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I got to learn a lot about how to behave in a band, how to conduct yourself professionally and everything else at a very early age, mm-hmm. which is a great experience. Mm-hmm. But anyway, musically speaking, yeah, we, it started like that. But then fast forward to my next let's call it formal, serious band, started in 91, uh, and it was it, it, it was kind of riding the, the the coattails of the whole explosion of grunge and, and post-punk movement. So we, we were kind of a hard rockish uh, post-punk band. Um, if I had to compare it to anything, I'd probably say something like Alice in Chains, that kind of right, okay. dark, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, dark and mm-hmm. heavy. Um, but certainly nowhere near what I'm doing now. Um, and uh, the funny thing is, back to your question about uh, about how we might be able to connect the dots to this Americana thing, is that even from the get-go, from the time... My, my very first guitar was, of course, an acoustic guitar. It was a nylon-string Spanish guitar. That's where I learned hmm. my guitar. And acoustic guitar has always been incredibly important and present in my music life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've never had a period... In fact, I've had peers where I didn't own electric guitars, but I always owned an acoustic guitar. And hmm. to me, finger finger picking was extremely important. Um, uh, so, so to me, that that I was always drawn to really good pickers, players, especially in, on acoustic instruments. And I and I think bluegrass and roots music in general just has some of the best when it comes to that. Oh yeah, you know, like, sure, yeah. Had you had any prior exposure to uh, Doc Watson comes to mind, but th- but those types of artists leading up to your your blue jam, bluegrass jam experience, or, or were they not on your radar at that point? Not at all. Actually, I started I started looking out for. I knew the names because as, as as with any guitar geek, of course, you get guitar books and they always have references to you know uh-huh. and all these other guys. Um, but I never actually took the time to listen to them until I saw the Bluegrass Jam in 2008 in Smith Lake. And then all of a sudden, I'm all about Bluegrass, and I'm going back deep. And, and I'm, I'm passionate about that. Whenever I find something that interests me, mm-hmm. I have to go back and understand the history of how we got to, where, yeah. to that point or to where we are today. So I became very passionate about that. And I even got this amazing book, which I'm sure you've heard of, but if not, I, I urge you to seek it out. I think it's called... Uh, 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 Banjo Echoes in the Appalachia, I think it's called. Oh, sure, and yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it is a, it's a fascinating book um, that tells the history of the banjo. Um, mm-hmm. And it was nothing like what I expected it would be. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, last, yeah. The last thing I, I, I thought was that the banjo would come from Africa. That was I was not expecting that. That's totally yeah, blindsided. right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And I, my guess is that some of that, even some of that history filters into this um, this idea of the dark side of Americana. You know, a lot of those a lot of those early, early musicians, uh, you know, the early settlers, uh, they had a hard, dark life and, and music was the way they entertained themselves. And so, I, you know, there is that kind of that um, that genetic theme running through the music anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, thematically speaking, it's not different from the Delta Blues, you know, and the struggle of the, of the slaves and everything else. It has that, that element to it, that struggle element to it, for sure. And so the new album is, uh, tell me the name of that again. It comes out uh, late August, right? 
August 30th is the official release date. Um, it's called uh, Ghostly Musings from the Delta, which is, of course, a reference to the Delta Blues. Um, yeah, and and um, I think I, I actually, you know, when it comes to digital distribution, um, there are some things I can't control, so I suspect iTunes might have it up way before August 30th, <laughs> and okay. I can't control that, but, but the official release date is August 30th. <laughs> Now, is this a, a bit of a departure from the from the grassy theme? You, we spoke earlier about it being more in, in line with blues, and obviously the Delta is, you know, that you you uh, blues and the Delta kind of um, are synonymous. Well, yeah. It, 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 the funny thing is, um, I think if you listen to my my four, if you take away the singles and listen to the four. Uh, long releases I've had. They are all very different. I think that the least different are the first and second one. But but between the second one and Cowboy Dreams, there's a gigantic difference. And then between Cowboy Dreams and this, there's a gigantic difference. And that was... I, I'm not going to say that was purposeful, but it wasn't strategic. But like I mentioned earlier, I really, really don't want to box myself. So I'm going to write what I'm feeling, and I'm going to put that out there. And you know, hopefully, the people that follow me will appreciate mm -hmm. my adventure and be on on board with it. But but I'm blessed by the fact that I actually have uh, a, a very good um, let's call it day job. <laughs> um, so to me, the finance the finance I have a lot of freedom in music because I don't depend on the sales of my releases to make a living. Okay. That's, that, that's enhancement. Um, and, and I realize that's a very fortunate position to be in compared to many of my musician friends who, who strictly make a living for music and sure. have to be much more, more, much more conscious of, of what's going to tell and what's not. Mm -hmm. I'm actually more about what do I like and what, do I, what am I proud to put out there? That's more of a driver to me than how much it's going to sell. What um, what um, what do you do for a day job? Is it related, or, or is it, it the typical you know somewhere out in the world nine to five kind of job? I do two different things, uh, and one of them is related to music, and one is not. Um, on the I'll start with the non-music one, which I think is is, is uh, going to be surprising. I actually analyze contracts as a, I'm a consultant for a few businesses, and I analyze contracts from a risk perspective. Huh. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's funny because I don't have a law degree background uh, or, or anything like that, but I do have a very extensive contracts history, and, and I and I was involved in construction for a long time, and yeah. I've seen a lot of projects go bad. So I know how to identify things that have the potential of going bad in projects, and huh. companies realize this, and they pay me very well to to analyze their contracts and give them feedback on it. So hmm. that's that's my. It's called professional job. Yeah, yeah. And then, and, and then my other job is I'm a producer. I produce other artists as well. Oh, and cool. that's in the last in the last two years, that's really been taken off. In fact, I have a gig coming up. An artist coming from France is going to spend a week, uh, sorry, a month and a half here. And we're going we're gonna to make a record. Um, so that's my other job. Yeah, that's cool. That's more. That's a lot more fun than the content. Yeah, thing. sure. <laughs> <laughs> so when when you when you're when you get the opportunity to play out with your music, where do you find uh, your audiences the the most receptive? What what do you find your music is resonating with, or who who do you find your music is resonating with the most? Well, you know, California um, California surprised me when I moved here um, because of, as as a as, as a guy who had never lived in the West Coast, my idea of California was what you see in the movies, you know, L.A., Hollywood, that that thing. 
But that's really L.A. And the Northern California, where I live, is actually quite different. Hmm. Um, and there's a lot more, I see a lot more similarities between Northern California, the outskirts of where I live in Sacramento, and the outskirts of where I live in Virginia. I find a lot more similarities between those two than I do between here and L.A. It's, hmm. Here and L.A. are two different worlds. Yeah. Um, but the people that live in the outskirts here, the farmers and um, et cetera, that, that reminds me a lot more of the people that live in the in the smaller towns in Virginia. And, hmm. and it comes, and I'm talking about everything from political sensibilities to to artistic sensibilities to everything else. Hmm. And I find that my sweet spot, audience wise, is is with those people. Mm -hmm. um, so if I if I if I play a festival out, you know, here, let's call it Placerville or Nevada City, which is Nevada City is about an hour and a half from from where I live in Sacramento. Those places are extremely receptive, and it's a really cool environment because a lot of them are what I call dropout hippies. They were originally in San Francisco and decided San Francisco was becoming this high tech nightmare, and they left hmm. so that they can continue their hippie lives into their well into their seventies. Yeah, <laughs> and. <okay>. Um, <laughs> And and these people are just incredibly receptive. Um, and I think the other thing, which it's funny because I joke a lot with my musician friends that this may be a curse more than a blessing. But but my music tends to resonate a lot with other musicians. I have a big musician fan base. <laughs> a lot of musicians follow me, which yeah. I think is hilarious. Huh. Um, but you know, you know, as experience goes, usually a musician musician is not going to hit the top forty charts. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, uh, m music is art, and and you know there there's always been this this dilemma uh, in music. You know, uh, artists get accused of selling out for the for the commercial dollar and and leaving their art behind. So, uh, you know, it's it's neat that you get to uh, pursue your music from the sense of art rather than you know needing to pursue the commercial dollar. So, um, maybe that's what musicians find attractive in your music is that you're staying true to your art instead of uh, you know finding this pull to, to to sell out and create commercial music instead. Yeah. That, that's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I, and, and um I, I have a, a good friend uh a good friend of mine who leads a, a blues rock band here said to me the other day, he says I like the way you're. He said that he that I haven't lost my punk sensibilities because I'm constantly giving the man the middle finger, and I think he <laughs> he meant he, he meant the fact that I just refuse to play by those rules. Yeah, this, sure. Is my sure. own finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the conforming to that has been, you know, the the downfall from a lot of people's opinions. The downfall of music is when you know when musicians conform to what uh, the powers that be decide or or, or tell them that they want and when you try to fit into that mold lots of times you, you leave your creativity behind so yeah absolutely and you know what at the end of the day greg i, I gotta say i i don't judge or criticize anybody because everybody's got to make a living somehow sure, and i'm sure, sure yeah. if i if i didn't have the jobs that i have i may be looking at this entirely differently right right, right. um yeah so so i'm not i'm not about criticizing or judging anyone it's, it's just a an approach that has worked for me, um, and and I'm happy I, I can do it that way. Well, and I think that's the that's the end game, anyways. If if you are if you get to make art, and and you get to enjoy the process, then whatever that is for you, that it it, it is about you. And if somebody else likes it, 
and appreciates is that's the bonus. You know, I think if you get to do it and you get to do it the way you enjoy it, then anything else that comes along is just extra. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so the new record, uh, again, is uh, Ghostly Musings from the Delta comes out uh, officially, uh, I think you said August 30th, probably. August out, 30th. Yeah, other, out other places maybe uh, before that. But what's the best way for folks to reach out if they want to talk to you about pr- producing or they want to learn more about your music or, or get a copy of one of your other CDs? So I think um, my my email is always good, banjobones1 at gmail. That's that's a great one, and I monitor it almost on an hourly basis because I get a lot of traffic there. Um, I I have a website, banjobones.com, where people can contact me through it. And, of course, there's Facebook, banjobones and Facebook, Um, which, by the way, two things. If any of your listeners are on Facebook, um, I would really appreciate it or anybody who likes my Facebook page because, Believe it or not, at least here in California, a lot of uh, bookers and promoters uh, look at your Facebook page and the traffic in there to decide whether they want to hire you or hmm. not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other thing I want to mention is on, on August 30th, on the release date, there is a record release party at a uh, venue here in Sacramento called uh, Blue Lamp. It's kind of a legendary venue. Um, it, it's small. It's very small, but it's it uh, it it caters to touring acts, to, mm-hmm. to smaller touring acts, and it's just a really cool place. So I have a record release party there, so and it's open. It's free. Anybody can come, and and I, I purposely make my record release parties free of charge, so anybody can get through the door who wants to get through the door. So yeah, that's uh, awesome. I hope many people can come. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, we certainly wish you wish you the best with the new record, and and appreciate the time to uh, talk to you this morning. Thanks. Thank you, Greg. It's been my pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.